Um, I don't think your uh, biceps would fit in this shirt, Jason. You're being too kind. You need to skip a few arm days, okay? You're so hip, bringing up the Ataris <laughs> from like when? when I don't like, know. He is old man Jason. I am Spencer. <laughs> I am the hipster Spencer. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. It is our pleasure to welcome in the head basketball coach at BYU, Mark Pope, one of our favorites. Coach. Are you in a tuxedo? Great no. to see you, man. Uh, and I hope you don't have to wear a tuxedo anytime soon. I look amazing in a tuxedo, man. It's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I actually got something for you guys today. Check this out. Oh, wow. The light, the light in the office. That is, wow. that is, is nice. That, is that new? Yeah, well, no, but I just was sitting on here. You know, we've done so many Zoom calls. Sometimes I get bored, so I just start flashing to see if anybody notices. <laughs> I got this incredible little little uh, key fob, right, that turns it on and off. That's amazing. Do you have so a... We, can, we yeah. can just sit here and just do this for the whole rest of the show, boys. Okay. Well, it is July 2nd. You know, it's getting a little dry here, Mark. We need we need some, <laughs> so we need, we need some light, some fireworks. Okay. But Lavelle Edwards had uh, he had a button under his desk where he could close the door. Remember, yeah. this is the 80s. This is like big-time tech, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, the thing is, like, when, when a player walks in and then they you push the button and the door starts to slowly close, they're like, uh-oh, this is real. <laughs> I'm in trouble. <laughs> Coach, uh, we're stoked about what's happening with BYU basketball, to say the least. Uh, you and your staff have done a remarkable job putting together a very talented roster, and this after losing the likes of Yoli Childs and TJ Oz and Jake Toulson and Zach Sess. I mean, all-time guys at BYU. Um, and most lately, uh, it's Caleb Lohner. So let's start there. Who is Caleb Lohner, and what is he going to bring to BYU basketball that's going to help you in 2020? First of all, I love talking about these all-time guys. Because they're just, I mean, how fun is it to, like, just think about what they did here at BYU? Yoli and Teach and Jake and Dalton, Zach. I mean, it's just, it's just I, I think it does. It brings a smile to, to my face. And I think every BYU fan that loves BYU basketball, right, to think about what those guys accomplished here individually and way more importantly as a team. I mean, how awesome. And then um, it's an impossible task to try and, uh, put together a roster when those guys walk out the door, right? But we're trying, and and uh, you know the the most recent addition is, is Caleb Loner, and he is a uh, this this young man is a really really special individual. Uh, interesting, I don't know him that well yet. Uh, every single day, uh, he was in the office for about a half an hour yesterday, and and uh, I just the more I get to know him, the more I just am like blown away by how fantastic. This young man is going to be. Uh, he 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 rolls uh, different than just about anybody else in college basketball. Uh, he's going to be so fun on the floor, and he's going to be incredibly fun off the floor. And uh, we're super excited to have him in a BYU jersey for sure. Certainly, with a guy that transfers, and you could argue he is or isn't, whatever. But he signs with Utah. He doesn't sign with uh, BYU and your staff out of Wasatch, but then he changes his mind. So. What what changed in this process from perhaps your end? We've we've heard from him, but what changed from BYU's end? Well, it, uh, you know, sometimes you work really, really, really hard in recruiting, and sometimes things just fall out of the sky. And and for us, that was a little bit this case. And 
Um, you know, uh, of course, we've had long conversations with with Caleb since he he um, you know made the change, and so uh, he's been really open and honest with with why. And I'll let him kind of be the one who guides that conversation. But um, I think he's I think he's really really excited to be here and 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 be competing with these guys. So we're, we're we we couldn't be more happy to have him. I mean, if you get a chance to go on his Instagram and watch some of these extreme sports videos, I mean, he's jumping off cliffs that are 9,000 feet high. That's probably a little bit of an – and doing like triple, double dipper gainers. I mean, I got to call the diving coach. I got to call Coach Brooks and be like, what exactly is that dive? Uh, you know, he's he's doing tricks on his skateboard, none of which I know the name of, but they look incredible and – uh, you know, doing flips on a wakeboard. And this guy is, he, 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 I mean, what he can do on a guitar, like, I mean, he just mashing up his, his, his electric guitar and just like, this dude is like incredible. And, uh, and, and we haven't even started talking about his game. So, I mean, he, I, I, you talk about a guy that the BYU fans are just going to fall in love with this. This cat is, is going to be awesome. Coach Mark Pope with us on BYU Sports Nation. Let's talk about his game. Where do you envision him making an impact on this roster? What position or positions do you want Caleb Lohner to play? I have no idea. None. <laughs> yes, you he do. Of, he can play a lot of different positions, man. I've seen him. You know, I, I saw him. I was actually uh, in the Wasatch Gym last fall trying to put the final touches on recruiting Richie Saunders. And uh, I watched his kid put on a show like I have rarely seen. Um, so uh, I don't know what he did. Hit five or six, seven threes in a row in a really, really competitive gym. The second second best uh, team in, in high school basketball, give or take, last year. And, and uh, you know, I, his last one is like a step back game winner. And the ball left his hand and he started walking off the court. Like, while the ball is in the air. He called Hibachi? Like, who, who is this guy? <laughs> I mean, I was like, I was, I was crying at the time. I was like, how, you know, how do we not get this guy? I mean, uh, he's got an unbelievable competitive spirit, man, when, when he turns it on. And, and uh, he is, uh, he's a beautiful young man. And so he's going he's gonna to be a great addition to this team for sure. Listen, is the roster finalized? It feels like you guys have 29 dudes on the team, and we can't wait to watch this roster. But is, is it – and I know there's uh, you know, one more to announce that we can't mention quite yet, it sounds like. But uh, it, are you still looking for dudes for this next year, or are you, or are you on the next year? Um, yeah. No, we're, we're – you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of, of sports, right? So it's what we do. <laughs> So we are recruiting, uh, but, but this roster is, I think, in a pretty good spot right now. And now it's just being excited about getting in the gym together, right? So July 20th is circle. July 20th is Christmas morning for us because we actually get, a, get, a, get on the floor with our guys and actually begin to have some conversations. Uh, we just can't wait. But, we, you know, we feel like this roster has a chance to, you know, if we can – our biggest challenge, can we grow together? And can these guys play for each other? And can they – can they follow the lead that was set by this group last year where they care more about each other than themselves and they care more about winning than their individual stats? And the, the funny thing about this game, the crazy thing that nobody understands is when you lose yourself in the team, you actually get rewarded individually a hundredfold. 
And that's, that is just, that's not what the media tells you. And it's not what your, 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 your people tell you. It's not, it's not the message that's conveyed, but it is the truth about this game. If you can lose yourself and your team, you get rewarded individually. And if we can do that this year, it's going to be really fun, man. We could roll out in waves right now. It's going to be awesome. We saw a lot of truth in that team ideology last year between uh, your stars. Yoli Childs, TJ Haas, Jake Toulson, they were at the forefront saying, I don't care who scores 20 points as long as we win as a team. Uh, what's the secret to getting guys uh, that are all capable of going out for big games to buy into that? Well, they just had to believe. Like, you know, it's, it's just a matter of getting to believe. And, and you know, you, you think about all the leadership we had on the team last year. This Jake Toulson was amazing because we're, you know, we're in mid-December. And he's putting out games where he's, you know, uh, eight assists, zero turnovers, only getting seven shots, shooting 47% from the three-point line is the best shooter in the country and only getting seven shots. And he's actually cool with it, right? He's just like, let's go. I mean, we're winning. And, and this is why I came here. And, and, um, and, and Jake is being rewarded mightily for that right now also. And um, so when you get guys that can start to believe that, and it starts from a couple places. One is you you just start from a backdrop of guys really genuinely loving each other and, um, and then be willing to kind of share the wealth. And then, and then guys actually vibing out on the product, right? Really feeling the product and, and loving that joy. And hopefully we can get there. That's the challenge that every team in every sport in every arena is facing. And uh, hopefully we'll be successful there again. The focus has been on football and the pandemic and how that's hopefully going to work. No one has any actual answers or decisions made, right? But basketball is just around the corner as well. I think we're 131 days from the scheduled start of the season. What discussions are you guys having relative to how that might work in the fall? Uh, We're not really having any. I mean, you know, we have had some scheduling conversations about you know, um, you know, it's a great, it could be a great season to go on the road and play everybody because there's no fans in the gym. So, uh, you know, potentially, um, so, but that's about as in-depth conversation we had about it. Our job is to, is to grow together as a team and, and, and to prepare to have an unbelievable product on the floor and, uh, you know, help these guys chase their dreams as a group and individuals. So, I mean, that, that doesn't change us. The only thing that changes you know, we can't be on the floor on the court now. We can start being on the court on, on July 20th. So, um, you know, we're just uh, 100% focused on that and, and uh, like, really frothing at the mouth, boys. I can't wait, man. I'm so excited. So um, that's, that's where our focus is. July 20th, will that be you can do some five-on-five run, whereas right now is voluntary workouts and very different? Is that what's going to happen? July 20th, we get four hours a week starting July 20th. That goes all the way through till September 29th, which is our first day of practice. So it's a little bit different. Uh, we used to have to shut it down when the guys left school, but we can go straight through. And um, so so it'll be four hours a week on the court, and then we get four hours a week in the weight room. And and uh, and then, you know, the guys, of course, will be on the, on the court a, a ton more than that, just doing their individual work. But that's enough. Now, Coach, I want to talk about at least one more individual here because uh, he's a guy that you recruited from Oklahoma State to Utah Valley as a transfer, and now Brandon Averett is at BYU. And speaking of Jake Toulson earlier, Jake said, it's a good thing BYU maybe missed on some of these other guys in the transfer portal because Brandon Averett was the best player on my team at Utah Valley. What can you tell us about Brandon Averett? This, this, Brandon Averett, man, watch out. 
you guys are going to love this kid. I mean, he's a little like he's he's a little jet out there. Uh, he kind of floats around the court. Um, he can exert ball pressure, ninety-seven feet, ninety-four feet, a hundred and twenty-five feet. If you gave him that much court, uh, <laughs> and he's an unbelievable late passer off of ball screens. Incredible keeper dribble alive. Uh, really, really just athletic and fun. Uh, he's, I think every team he's played on, he's been kind of the most beloved universally guy on the team. Uh, he just wants to win and make plays for his teammates. Um, I mean, how, what a, what a blessing it is for us to have him roll in here. And, and, uh, he's going to add a flair. He's, he's really, really quiet. He's incredibly unassuming. Uh, but on the court, man, he is a competitor's competitor. And um, it's going to be fun to, to watch him work his magic. Man, I'm so happy he's in our gym. We got A.B., we got B.A. We, we're calling it the ABBA backcourt. ABBA. You, you cool with that? These dudes are wearing like 70s disco gear to, to class now. It's unbelievable. I walk them through the hall. I don't even recognize them. <laughs> the ABBA backcourt, baby. Coach, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, we appreciate the light switch uh, in back of you. Go, do, go ahead. Do it again. Do it one more time before we go. Okay, there we go. Yeah, there we go. Light it up. It's like it's like a halo behind you. I think this is appropriate given the last name. You know, this is what we were doing when they when they shut us down completely after the after the you know they shut down the WWE tournament. We're just sitting here, just like, what are we gonna do, boys? <laughs> Coach, we're stoked for you, man. July 20th, can't get here soon enough. Uh, stay safe, be healthy. We'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate you guys coming, our guys, man. Special, We got special young men rolling in here, so thanks for, thanks for letting the world know. You got it. Mark Pope on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. You got to love Mark Pope. Who doesn't <laughs> like Mark Pope? Like, he's awesome, man. His enthusiasm <laughs> is very engaging. Here's the thing. I'm looking at lighting. I'm like, oh, turn it off. We can't see your face now. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's zooms. The back the lighting's too harsh. Yeah. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Uh, the depth of BYU basketball gets a little deeper Caleb Lohner is now official at BYU. Jerem, what does the impact on the addition of Caleb Lohner have on BYU basketball? This is this is big time. When he signed with Utah, I was ugh, I was like, oh no, it's one that got away because he was a guy whose dad played here. That doesn't mean he has to come here, but it does mean BYU has an inside track. Typically, he was in on coming here, I believe, before Dave Rose retired, and Tim Lacombe was the primary recruiter, if I understand correctly. So the fact that he went to Utah, I felt like what changed? But something changed as well. We'll ask him coming up what it was. You see 14 and 6, um, shot 61% from the field, by the way, uh, 36 Ooh. from 3. He's a guy that I, I, I gave this analogy to you a couple weeks ago, like Corey Kispert-ish from Gonzaga, like a taller shooter. He seems thicker than Corey Kispert. We'll ask him exactly height and weight because we've seen varying. I've seen some places say he's 6'6", some 6'9". Uh, but he's a guy that I. Th- this is a hot take, probably. I think he could start at some point this year. Wow, I as think a he's freshman, very skilled. I think he's thick enough to uh, rebound and defend, and even have a little bit of a post up game. But he's he's got some attributes where he can shoot the three, but he can also dunk on you. So he has some amazing abilities that I'm very excited about. I think he's a top seven ish player on this team. 
Top three seniors, I think, are, are going to be guys that get a lot of minutes, right? A, or the three seniors, Averett, Barcelo, and Harms. Then you have uh, returning guys or guys that are, are juniors, right? Harding, Baxter, and Harward. And then I think, I think Caleb Lohner is right there in terms of potential impact. Now, there's a lot of guys in that mix, Nell, Erickson, Johnson, George, Lowell, and Lee. Uh, but Caleb Bonner is extremely skilled. I don't think he came here to play eight minutes a game off the bench. I think he came here to get some good run. And the depth of this team is really Ooh. good, like you said. I think uh, in the past, maybe you, maybe you jet skied, but bring your scuba gear for this roster. Caleb Lohner, a few things. Uh, I, I like the Corey Kisper comparison. I, I mean, Lohner has better hair, though. Is a Kisper, yes. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it reminds me of Justin Timberlake, uh, late 90s, early 2000. Oh, but way longer, yeah. <laughs> the curly frock yeah. up top. Curly blonde hair, dude. It's, it's, it's beautiful. The Justin Timberlake yeah. hair. Beautiful. Um, he, he might be more athletic than Corey Kispert, but that's, he's got a long way to go to get to the level of plague and consistency that Corey Kispert has for Gonzaga. Yeah. But I like the comparison. A little bit of a different player, but, but you know, a, a longer wing kind of guy. I think he could play the four right now, by the way. He idolizes Larry Bird, um, and I... Yeah, I'm, I'm always hesitant to jump all in on a true freshman like, oh, this kid's he's going to change the dynamic of BYU basketball. But it's hard not to, when you watch his highlights, think, okay, here's a kid that deserves time on the court. He didn't play for a just low-level high school. He played for one of the top ten teams in the country in Wasatch down in Mount Pleasant, Utah, which that's an amazing story in and of itself, right? Richie Saunders, by the way, played on that team. He's a signee that will play in two years. But he played high-level ball and played on a great team. And look, he's got a nice stroke, and then he can go to the hole and throw down. Look at that. He's just dunking on fools. I love this kid's game. I just want to know where he fits in. What position do they want him to play this year? Is it the three? Is it the four? Because BYU is loaded in the front court. Yeah, one of those two. A ton, a ton of depth there. I mean, if Gavin Baxter's going to come off the bench, how is Caleb Lohner not going to come off the bench and play the four? But if he's playing the three to maybe spell Connor Harding, then you kind of see like some more minutes available there. Um, but you mentioned it. We're talking about Trevin Nell, like, who, by the way, Dave Rose says, is one of the best shooters that I have ever seen ever. Yeah, okay? perhaps a hidden gem here. I'd, I, I'm interested to see the Nell Erickson Johnson George Lowell uh, group. With Loner of, okay, what do you ha- what do you have? Because I think we think these guys have a lot of skill. It's just there's only so many minutes to be had. So very exciting to see this team develop and who's going to emerge and and who is a potential redshirt and whatnot. I I wonder who is he doesn't scream redshirt at all to me. I think he's a play. He will he's play. A play. I I think a guy like who who knows what you need, but uh, you know where where does uh, you know Jesse Wade fit into this category? I uh, should have had him in that list. Where does Nell fit in this category? I, there's a lot of capable guys. As far as impact in freshman year, I don't know because we don't know how many minutes are available. But it's like you look ahead to the future after this year. Caleb Lohner <laughs> could very starter well, next year could very well make himself yeah, uh, a household go. name for a long time amidst BYU fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Our question of the day, we want you to answer the same thing. What impact will Caleb Lohner have on BYU basketball? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. All right, at Coop Pan Answers on Twitter. He is that rare guy that is pretty tall and moves like a guard. He should be hard to match up defensively, 
and earn a lot of open looks for himself and others. We buried the lead here, by the way. Him being on the team, and obviously we've all been kind of waiting for this to officially happen. We can't say his name on this show until he signs, but this has been a thing in the, wor- in the works for a few weeks. He's absolutely a tourney team. Absolutely a tourney team with Caleb Lohner. Unequivocally, just, without question. Totally. And it's very exciting to feel like that going into the season. This is the anti-football sentiment we feel right now with basketball. Like football, it's like, ah, hopefully we can win eight games. You know, with basketball, we're like, uh, hopefully win in the tourney in multiple games. BYU you know, basketball was a tournament team before they got Caleb Lohner. Now things now, just get now better. Now they have them where it's like really rock solid. And, feel, and, and there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be injuries. There's going to be uh, unforeseen challenges, whatever. But the more capable guys you get, the better you are. And uh, they keep tweeting best locker room in America, this hashtag, right? If you can maintain that, and I think they will, then special things can happen because that gets you a couple more wins. Choo-choo-choo boogie, brother. Yeah. The tournament train is rolling. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. I hope Media Day features in some capacity the man we're about to talk to on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. His name is Steve Clark. He is the BYU tight ends coach. Steve, you need to be at the forefront of Media Day. Are you cool being the headline guest on that day? Absolutely. I'd like to say, Jason, nice shirt. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, we, we match. I don't know There's what Spencer, did, Spencer didn't get the memo. I don't know what's going on. I'm wearing my Taysom Hill Leap Over Texas shirt. It's, it's not as cool as yours, but it's still pretty cool, right? If I'm going to lead the whatever you just said, I need a new shirt. So if you guys give me a shirt, I'll be the headliner or whatever. Okay. We'll work on that. Up. Coach, did we, do we understand that we got you out of mowing the lawn by getting to do this interview? I kid you not. My, my wife is mowing the lawn right now <laughs> as, as we speak. You might see her go back and forth. Glaring in through I, the I windows. Can, <laughs> I can pick it up and show you. I, I'm not lying. She said, it's time to mow the lawn. I said, i got to be on Sports Nation so with Spencer and Jason. And so I said, it, you might as well get out there and uh, get on it. Because oh. this is going to last a pretty long time. Yeah, how long do you need this, this interview to go? Here. Yeah, how long do you need us to go? Let me see where she is right now. <laughs> about a half hour. All right. Very good. Just even if the interview ends, just pretend that you're still in front of the computer talking to us. Yeah. Okay. Well, I do that anyway. <laughs> Steve Clark, BYU tight ends coach with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're obviously very excited about what you bring back in this group. And, you know, from the outside perspective, it's hard not to say, wow. Matt Bushman and what he brings back, top five tight end in the country, according to most national experts. And you bring in a guy like Isaac Rex. I mean, we could spend we could spend the next 30 minutes literally breaking down each and every one of your tight ends and how great they are, Steve. But as a group, what makes you most excited about what they're capable of in 2020? As a group, well, they're, they're talented. Um, they're talented. They, as a group, they bring different dynamics to uh, what we need. They're different. They're different players that bring their different strengths. Um, so, you know, and I've had big group. I have ten guys right now with the fullbacks concluded. Um, a few years ago, I had Matt Bushman and Dallin Holker. That was it. And so, I'm excited to have that many guys and and uh, and and be able to work with 
different pieces, I guess, is, is what you'd call it. Um, and and so that's that's exciting. I didn't know Matt was coming back. Is is that? No oh, do, one ever asked me about that. <laughs> do Do you want him back? Would you like him back? Absolutely not. <laughs> no, um, thrilled that, that Matt came back, and I have a different relationship with Matt. Um, you know, he's a four year starter now. He'll be a four year starter, and and I'm I'm more I'm more collaborate with Matt um, on how to do things, um, and and we work together because he he knows it so well now. Um, and that's kind of the, the difference in the, in the tight end room is we have him who, Matt, who is very experienced. And then we have a lot of guys that don't have a lot of experience. So I kind of collaborate with Matt. Then I dictate to the other guys. So, um, it's a lot of fun for me and, and it's a tough position. It's, it's so much fun, but it's tough because you, it's the one position that you have to know, uh, in detail, uh, the run game the protection game and the pass game. And so, um, you know, that's what we're working on with these young guys is getting up to speed um, on, on the offense as, as a whole. Well, and Steve, you, you mentioned the number of guys in the tight end room. And, and I know coaches that love to talk about depth and, and finding depth is always something that you guys are searching for. And you, you mentioned the number of guys, but they're not just guys. These are talented guys that are in that room. How would you describe the depth at that position? I would describe it as very talented, but inexperienced. So, um, you know, they have, they haven't played in a lot. They haven't played a full season um, other than Matt. Um, Isaac, Isaac Rex took advantage of the four game rule last year and was allowed to uh, uh, play in four games as did um, Carter week. Um, so they got some experience, but <clears throat> You know, over over the the whole season, you know, things change and you have to adjust. And we, I just don't know how they'll. Um, I think they'll be fine um, adapting, but I just don't know yet. So that there's a the known is the talent. The unknown is the the experience level. And then, you know, Hank Tuipolotu comes in, and he is probably. And I'm I'm going to get grilled for saying this, but. Uh, from these other guys, but he could be our best man-to-man route runner. He and and Carter Weed are just outstanding man-to-man route runners. Very good shape guys. Um, so you know, there's and then Lane Lunt came in, who was a walk-on, who was a great surprise in the uh, in the spring uh, to add into the mix. Mm-hmm. Isaac Rex was having the best spring of any of them um, before it got canceled, but. Uh, up into the six practice that that we had, he was um, he was showing that he is he can be an elite tight end. Steve Clark, BYU tight ends coach, with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're going to talk to Isaac Rex uh, a little bit later. He's a guy that technically is averaging twenty three yards a catch. So uh, <laughs> it is one catch, <laughs> coach. <laughs> how you get how you going to get don't, Isaac the ball don't, more? <laughs> don't, don't don't bring that up to him, please. <laughs> Hey, will you guys do me a favor? Ask him how his cahoots are going. <laughs> I, I make I make a cahoot for him, so a test each week. And just I, if you guys could help me out, and ask him how his are going. Uh, that, that would be uh, that would be a big help to me. I guarantee. At some point, we will ask him about that. Steve. That is that yeah. is for sure. That should be your first question. <laughs> 
Okay. I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but people you're tell the, me how to do my job yeah. all the time. No, so no, I'm, you're I'm yeah. you're, you're the one guy that we're we're okay with that. You you can tell us what to do. We're we're totally okay, okay. with that. Uh, Steve, Matt Bushman is a guy that has led BYU in receiving yards in each of the last three seasons. This is pretty unprecedented territory. You said uh, not too long ago you want to wear him out this season. What does that mean? How, how, how are you planning on uh, wearing Matt Bushman out, and, and what kind of results will that produce? Well, I think that you know we had Moroni last year, and we were able to um, keep him fresh by substituting him. And, 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 and we're not going to do that this year. I mean, he's he's got he better be in good shape because you know he's not going to come off the field unless it's his decision. Um, and we're gonna you know we'll put him in different situations. Um, in di- and and when I say situations, we'll put him in different um, alignments. Uh, we've been toying with uh, certain routes that we've uh, done a lot of uh, uh, study on this past season. Um, that. You know, we, I, I always study the top five tight ends in the league. And this last year, I spent a lot of time watching um, Kerry Kittle and uh, um, Kelsey from the, the Chiefs and see how they use their tight ends. And we'll, we'll, we'll use a little bit of a mixture with, with those two guys. Okay. Hey, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey. And Travis Kelsey, two of the best that just happened to be in the Super Bowl this uh, couple months ago. Yeah. Don't watch Kelsey block. That's that's you don't want to do that. <laughs> hey, but coach, as a Chiefs fan, I was perfectly happy to see him get in the end zone and as many times as he did. Yeah, he I mean, he is unbelievable route runner. Um, as good as I've seen um, at, at route running. Um, Kittle is more of an overall tight end. He's a much better blocker. We're trying to kind of uh, in. Um, I don't want to say indoctrinate, but we're trying to show Matt the best of both, um, and hopefully he can pick up on that. But, you know, the thing with Matt is, is, you know, people are going to start by stopping our offense by stopping Matt. So he can't get frustrated um, with some of the schemes that he's going to see. He's he's seen the last two years. He's going to see more of it next year. And so, um, you know, if they want to take away Matt, they're going to take away Matt, just like they – they can take away Kelsey at times. They can take away Kittle at times, uh, but it opens up um, it opens up the, the field for everybody else. Coach Matt is going to play in the National Football League. If he had gone out, you know, in the last draft, he'd have been coming up in the upcoming season. He's going to play at the next level. When you talk with scouts about him, what do they say about his pro potential? Well, they they what they like the most about him is his ability, his, his catch radius. He's got a huge catch radius, meaning the quarterback doesn't have to be as precise with Matt. He can go get it um, with a six foot um, catch radius around him, meaning he can be, the ball can be thrown in anywhere in that six uh, yard catch radius and he'll come up with it. Um, He, he's very good at uh, finding creases and, and, and areas and zones. Um, that, that's what they like about him. They they like his ability to make make plays. He's shown to make plays. He's got great hands, um, and you know they they're always looking for a, a tight end that that can that can make plays. I mean, if you can make plays in the NFL, they'll they'll they're looking for you. 
Steve, it's always great to catch up with you. Uh, stay healthy. Please send our best to your family, to your wife mowing the lawn. You are uh, always a, a bright light. Yeah, are we okay to let you go now? And uh... No, no. She's, she's, uh, I can see her right now. It looks like, yeah, she's got about 50 more back and forth before she's done. <laughs> I really do appreciate her mowing the lawn today. That's an elite wife for sure. Um, it is. In all seriousness, man, you're uh, you're a bright mind in football. We appreciate the insights and uh, can't wait to talk to you as we approach media day. All right. Good to see you guys. All righty. Steve, Steve Clark on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why, we show how. Mowing the lawn. It's one of my least favorite activities. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Sorry, honey. Got to be on BYU Sports Nation. And you know right now he's still continuing. He's still looking at the screen. He's like, how much more? Like, oh, like he said he would. Steve Clark. He's and, great. Uh, I mean, talk about a guy that has, has gone through some hardships this summer, not just COVID-19 and handling football. Lost his brother uh, recently, and uh, we, we just love the Clark family yep. so much. They are the best. Absolutely. They are the best. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Let's bring it back. <laughs> Let's bring it back with the best to wear it feature today. If you're new to the program, we're hi. counting up to 99. Yeah, if you're new, hi. One number each show and determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. Today, we double dip. Let's go. Well, we got a lot of numbers. 37 and 38. Who's 37? Okay, number 37. Vic Soto. Now, Vic is one of our guys. Uh, he went to Virginia. He's now at USC as the defensive line coach. He was a tight end originally here, then linebacker, then defensive line. 60 tackles, 6 sacks, 5.5 tackles for loss, a pick. He was a first-team All-Mountain West Conference okay. in 2010. Played with the Packers. I believe he had a, a pick, a scoop and score or something. In a, yes, he did. Was it a preseason game? I can't remember. Uh, bounced around to several different teams for a couple years. As I mentioned, he's coaching now, Virginia, and then uh, USC. But of note, in 2010, defensive lineman Romney Fuga tore his ACL in the first half of BYU's 27-13 loss to Colin Kaepernick and Nevada. In the second half, Soto wore Fuga's jersey, mm. number 98, to honor him. Fuga tore his ACL. We didn't know at the time that he was out for the season. That was a really cool gesture by Vic Soto. And, and um, you know, of note, Colin Kaepernick was in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. That was a big game because Nevada was really good. Around there. It's fun to watch Vic's career uh, expand. Now, now at USC, as He's you big time. USC. That's and, and that's going home for him. He's from South, Southern California. Yes, it is. Carlsbad, California. Represent. Okay. At number 38, Jerem, we have Matt Payne. Now, this is a guy that Pat McAfee would love. And maybe he did love. But if he doesn't know about him, now he does love him. The Payne train. Matt Payne was an awesome <laughs> punter and kicker. Okay. But he's famous for his Boise State two identical massive hits. Okay. He was awesome, but he was especially awesome at this game. Boom! Okay, that's the first, and then he did it again. Now, in this USC game in 2003, Matt is the first BYU player ever, and only to this point, to nail two 50-plus yard field goals. Oh, Matt Payne. He, he made 54, 74% uh, accuracy. He was uh, Lou Groza and Ray Guy fi- uh, semifinalist in 03. Still an NCAA record holder in the following. 93% made field goals in 04. There's the second one. 14 of 15 field goals made. Most consecutive field goals made between 40 and 49. 
uh, 14 from 03 to 04. And then in 02, he was the punting champ at 47.6. So Matt Payne, uh, you could argue, is the best uh, you know, combo kicker BYU had. I would put Lee Johnson in that spot, but Lee kind of struggled in the 83 season. Run that up with Steve Young, As a field goal yeah, kicker, but as a punter, Lee was unbelievable, right? Uh, Thunderfoot. So Matt Payne is the man, dude. Payne is beauty, Jerem. Yes, it is. I was on my uh, mission trip for those two, so I came back and was like, whoa, what happened? Here's the thing with Matt Payne. Like, and in that game, there's a field goal that yes. is missed, and it's so it's tough to judge. From 37 them. yards away. But the, I feel like the field goal poster were a little short at Boise State, and if it was taller, it would have been through. I, I really know. feel that way. BYU was 1-2 at the time. Boise State's ranked. We wouldn't be having the discussion of BYU's never won on the blue right. if that field goal goes through. What year was that? that? Was that 2004. And I'll never forget it because I bought a car that That's day. That's an 11-1 Boise State team. I bought a car that day, and I was like, I bought a car? And BYU's going to beat Boise State? This is the best day ever. And then the field goal was missed. But it shouldn't overshadow that the you body got the car. Work. Oh. The body of work from Matt Payne. <laughs> Payne is beauty. Best to wear it special today. We're counting up to 99, one number or two each show, and determining who was the best athlete to wear each number at BYU. Today, our double dose hits numbers 39 and 40. One's a current cougar, Jason. Yes. The other is a phantom. Lead us off with the current guy. Yeah, and he doesn't even wear this number anymore. He was so good in such a short period of time. We are talking about number 39, Jake Oldroyd. Jake the Make Oldroyd. Go back to the original. No nicknames. The original nickname was where he was excelling. Okay, all right. 2016 and then obviously 2019 through 2020 is when he wore uh, 39. 19 of 28 on career field goals. It's a percentage of 67.8. It was 41 of 42 on the point after, yeah. uh, which is like almost 98%. Uh, 98 career points, had a career long of 54, second longest in BYU history. We obviously all remember his debut against Arizona. We're watching it on BYU TV right now. Kalani Satake, his first first game as head coach at BYU, and they win off the foot of Jake Oldroyd. And uh, he made two career field goals at 50-plus, and obviously, as we mentioned, um, had the the game-tying 33-yard field goal against Tennessee. He changed his number. It's not 39 now. He's going to go to 38. He needs some new mojo. So he's like, I've done everything I can do with 39. It's already the greatest number. I'm going to go. I'm going to go try and do something else with another number. Maybe can we get like the second second number? Yeah, can he be I, the best be the, to wear at two numbers? I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. But who knows, Jason? Right. Who knows? What do you got for 40? Uh, a phantom. And this one is absolutely legit. Like, this guy's number is retired. The first football jersey retired in BYU history. It is Eldon Forti. He was also the first All-American for BYU football in 1962. He was an All-American and finished 10th in the Heisman voting. So top 10 Heisman finalist out of BYU, which was not a football power. He was second in the nation in 1962 in total offense with 1,963 yards, 14 total touchdowns. Here's a guy who was listed as a quarterback but was really just an excellent running back who also could throw it pretty well. Sound like somebody we know in New Orleans right now? Interesting. BYU ran the single-wing offense. 364 rushes that season, only 200 pass attempts. Uh, Forti ran for 1624 in uh, his career. 
played one year in the CFL with the Edmonton Eskimos, had 272 yards rushing against George Washington on September 29th of that fabulous 62 season, second most in BYU history behind only Jamal Williams, who eclipsed it in 2016 against Toledo. Eldon Forti held that record for a very long time. Yeah, and Eldon Forti is one of those guys that the 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 younger generation doesn't know a whole lot about, but just going over all of his accomplishments and what he did in a BYU uniform is amazing. Held in the Phantom Forti. Great Number nickname. 40 is retired. Time for the best to wear. We're counting up to 99, one number or two each show, determining the best athletes to wear each number in Provo. Today, we focus on number 41 and 42. You're up first with 41, Jason. Number 41 goes to Brian Keel. Played in 2002 and then 2005 through 2007. 205 tackles, seven sacks. He was a two-time all-Mountain West Conference. Uh, Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Week in 27. Uh, he, uh, let's see, recorded interception in three straight games. Whoa. Selected in the fourth round of the 2008 NFL Draft by the New York Giants. Played in the NFL from 2008 to 2013. He was unbelievable. Get it, B! Pick six in New Mexico. Okay, number 42, Debbie Diamond Freeland. Outstanding BYU women's basketball player, dual sport athlete, over 1,700 career points, almost 900 career rebounds. She's a top 10 all-time scorer, seventh on that list right now. 1991 WAC Freshman of the Year, two-time first-team All-WAC player in 93 and 94. Played outside hitter on the 95 BYU women's volleyball team. Married Jim Freeland, who played on the football team and ran track for BYU, also in 94 and 95. Debbie Diamond Freeland at number 42. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining the party now is BYU tight end Isaac Rex on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom. Isaac, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. How are things going? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. My first time on, and I've been waiting for you guys' invite forever. So It's about Thanks time. Yeah, you it's bet, man. It's, it's a long overdue debut for you. Uh, you served a two-year mission in Samoa, so let's start there. Um, how was Samoa, and how much football was discussed there as you prepared to come back to BYU? Um, zero football was discussed there. I was focused <laughs> on the board mostly. Shout out my boy Elder Fano. He actually works with you guys. Um, he's the man. But Samoa is the greatest place in the world. I miss the people there so much. They're probably the most humble, loving people ever. They love missionaries. They're really um, open to hearing the gospel. Uh, just I, I miss Samoa so much, and Samoa is probably the the greatest place for me as a missionary to go to. So I know the Lord knows and calls us every day um, to, you know, uh, to serve his people. So Samoa was the greatest place in the whole world. And I'm so excited to maybe go back there one day. So Isaac, I assume this is going to be different for everybody, but for someone in your, in your situation where you're a, a division one athlete, you chose to serve a mission. How did that experience prepare you to be an athlete at this level? Um, it doesn't, it really maybe doesn't help you physically, but mentally, spiritually, it helps you in those aspects, waking up and um, having a plan every day, uh, trying to 
you know, help other people out, being a good teammate, being a good companion to um, like maybe if you're in a tight end room in a different position room and even having leadership leadership positions in your mission, um, it really helps you be a better teammate, uh, focus more on what's important to you and maybe getting to know plays and just like getting to know the gospel. So uh, physically, it may not help you as much, but mentally, spiritually, and definitely being more mature uh, comes a long way when you're on the mission. And it definitely translates when you get gets back home and um, becomes a, a full-time BYU football player. So it's definitely a lot, uh, it's a lot different, but it's also very similar in its own right. So you're telling me you didn't come back from Samoa swole. You, you weren't just like ready to play football. Uh, you could ask Elder Fun. I was very skinny, but I came back and I worked hard. So I learned that on my mission to work hard and actually have a work ethic. So I tried to get in the weight room and tried to eat as much as possible, but I didn't come back super swole or fast or strong, but now I feel like I'm, I'm there today. So right on. Okay. Well, let's, let's keep it going with that. What's been the biggest challenge for you in transitioning back from a mission amidst the global pandemic, no less. Yeah. So I was luckily I played last year, so it was pretty nice. And I had, uh, my own, uh, like played three games, which is really good. The red shirt rule is huge for a lot of red shirts. We see like Keanu, Carter, Wheat, Jackson McChesney, a lot of guys that were able to play in a lot of games or at least, or some games that will help translate to this year also. So, um, but coming back, uh, it's just like getting to know, like remembering plays and, um, probably more of the mental aspect, which is tough. The mission definitely helps you kind of work hard to get back at it, but, um, just remembering how to block, how to catch, like remembering all those things that you kind of forget after two years, it kind of takes a while. So, um, I'm excited. I was excited to actually like get some experience. So it, it will translate to this year, last year, but I mean, it's a definitely hard, um, thing coming off a mission and no, RM should really expect to come back and be where they were before. It's it's really tough, but as long as you work hard and um, have that mindset that you can do it, then you can definitely do it. So, you use the word expect in terms of expectations. What what type of role do you expect to play in this offense this upcoming season? Yeah, so um, Matt's definitely obviously the one. Matt's the freaking best tight end in college football. So. Matt's going to be the guy for sure, but I just want to help out the team as best as I can. I want to block. I want to catch some routes when I can and play special teams. I'll do anything for the team. I want to be like one of the very reliable guys that, oh, you can put Rex in and he'll make a play for us. So um, I want to be that, that guy alongside Bushman or Carter, like as many tight ends as we play that we'll just, we'll just help out the team and, um, be that physical presence, blocking, catching tight end, a good all-round tight end that BYU wants to see. You know, certainly certainly in your family, you're well aware of this, but when you look at certain positions at BYU, there's, there's certain positions that have, that have a lot of uh, players that have done quite well, and the tight end position is one of them, just a long line of great tight ends. What is it like to be a tight end at BYU where the history is so strong? Yeah, it's crazy. Over the quarantine, we got to talk to like Dennis Pitta. Chad Lewis is always around. My dad obviously is on my case sometimes, but um, <laughs> we got a lot of good alumni, a lot of good tight ends that 
they've definitely played at the highest level NFL. And that's what all of the tight end room wants to be when we want to go to the highest level and be like one of those better tight ends that BYU remembers. So uh, we want to be like Dennis Pitta, the uh, two Amelies, uh, um, you know, Chad Lewis is all those great tight ends that came from BYU. They've done it. Um, we want to be just like them. So it's, it's really cool. It's really a good experience being able to talk to those guys, guys that have um, been around the program and know what BYU is like, and then they could give you advice and then they could also help you reach to your highest potential. So uh, those guys are, they're always around the program and they love BYU. So they're willing to help us, which is cool. Isaac, my last question is, do you want to be like Byron Rex at BYU? <laughs> Uh, no, I want to be Isaac Rex. <laughs> uh, I love my dad, and he loves when you guys talk about him, so stop talking about him because it gets to his head. Uh, he's a great support uh, to the show. He, he was obviously a great tight end at BYU, but I guarantee he wants you to be better than he was. No, I know. My dad, he was a beast. He is still a great father and a great um, husband to my mom, and He's he's like my idol, so I do want to be like my dad, but I also want to put a little twist on things, maybe switch it up, and you guys say Isaac Rex instead of Byron Rex's son one of these days. <laughs> hey, I'm, 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 fi- I'm fine with that, Isaac. We'll, we'll start that motion now. And for the record, you averaged 23 yards a catch, man. I don't, I don't think yeah. your dad averaged 23 yards a catch. I'm still 100%, one for one. That's so. right, baby. That's right. <laughs> can't, you, can't, you can't get any better than that, Isaac. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Roster complete for BYU basketball, we think, and second-year head coach Mark Pope. Following the recent announcement of four-star recruit Caleb Lohner, BYU will now have, at last count, Nine new faces on the court at some point this upcoming season. Maybe more. Notably, Jason, as we look at those nine names, Richard Harward, Wyatt Lowell, Hunter Erickson, Matt Harms, Brandon Averett, Caleb Lohner, Gideon George, Spencer Johnson. Uh, It's pretty wild just how much new there is with this BYU basketball team. The question is, of those new faces that we anticipate will see some court time in the approaching season, which newcomer will have the biggest impact on the 2020-2021 season? Okay, the word you use, the biggest impact, I'm not going to go with the biggest player. I'm going to go with Brandon Averett. Uh, Brandon, between him and Alex Barcelo, they're going to have the ball in their hands the most. You're going to go with the shortest player. Well, look, here's the way I look at it. We know that Brandon can score. He averaged 13 a game last year at UVU. Besides his scoring, he's going to be setting up his teammates within this offense. And I think because of what you can get from him scoring and the fact that he and Barcelo will be the primary distributors, Averitt will be the newcomer that make the biggest impact. I think he's going to have the ball in his hands uh, the most between him and Barcelo. So that's where I'm going in that direction. Wow. Okay, you like Brandon Averitt. Formerly with Oklahoma State, excelled at Utah Valley, an electric player, a guy that Jake Toulson said, hey, it's a good thing that BYU didn't get some of these other transfer guards they were going after because Brandon Averett was the best player on the court. 
when I was playing as a, I think Jake was technically a senior at Utah yeah. Valley before he grad transferred to BYU. Now that's high praise from Jake. We asked him and said, well, okay, well, what goes into this? He's like, you, you don't understand. Like he was so good in practice, so hard to guard and he can lock guys down defensively. Well, and, and just the fact that he's going to be one of the primary distributors, everybody else's point production and what they're able to do, it starts with with Brandon and Alex Barcelo distributing the ball and getting those guys in the right spot. That's why that's why I'm going with Brandon. Okay, Jason, I'm going to go with the obvious answer here, <laughs> and that's the tallest player. <laughs> and the guy that Dickie V said, oh, the biggest transfer in America, literally and figuratively, is the big guy, Matt Harms. Okay, he's going to BYU from Purdue. Here's a guy that comes with a wealth of experience in the Big Ten. That was one of the best shot blockers in a Power 5 conference, and I don't know how much stock you put into the Power Conferences, Jason. I love the P5. 7-3. He's got touch from outside. Did not clearly have the season that he wanted to last year at Purdue and felt like he needed a new start. BYU beat out Kentucky for this guy. So he comes at 7 feet 3 inches, has some handles, excellent polished footwork and moves in the post, and he is a rim protector at its finest. No one is going to block more shots in the West Coast Conference than Matt Harms. He will lead the conference in block shots, okay? I know, shocking. You're calling your block shot right now. I'm going on record here. Matt Harms will be the number one rim protector in the West Coast Conference. And I know that Gonzaga brings back some size and some good players. I just, I really like his moxie, his energy, and his his uh, presence around the rim. Okay, He could be the West Coast Conference Defensive Player of the Year. Size against Gonzaga is not going to be a problem this year. If Harms is the Defensive Player of the Year in the conference, how would that not translate to him being BYU's most impactful newcomer? Hard to argue against that. What I would like to see is some more shots go up. There will be shots available. Yoli Childs, Jake Tools, and TJ Housley took a bunch of shots. Matt Harms is going to have an opportunity to do more offensively. He only averaged eight points a game, but he didn't take a ton of shots, and he's highly efficient around the rim, Jason. I expect him to average double figures and be the leading shot blocker in the WCC. He's going to be the biggest impact player for me as BYU approaches the next season. The thing that's most exciting about this conversation is both of the players that we brought up are, are they're going to be some of the biggest reasons why this team will be successful, whether, whether it turns out to be Averett or whether it turns out to be Harms or any of the other nine newcomers on this roster, you know, that's, I think, what makes this team and this upcoming season so exciting because it, it's going to look different. It's, it's going to be a different type of basketball than what we've seen, mostly because of the height, I right. think, but also because regardless of the position, you're going to have shooters all over the floor. Regardless of the position, it's not just the guards that are going to be able to shoot. Your bigs are going to be able to shoot at a high level. That, that's what I think makes the season and thinking about what's possible so exciting. Yoli Childs told us that this team, and this is a hot take, <laughs> will be better than the team he played on last season. The team that was pacing to be a six seed in the NCAA tournament. That is that's, spicy. That is nice. I Woo! like that. I All like right. the confidence. Why not? Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated, national columnist specializing in college football, has launched the annual June campaign, Jason. (laughs) Conference realignment. 
what if scenarios and based on COVID-19 and TV rights coming up in 2024 and 2025. And just because we're all bored out of our minds right now with essentially no live sports. Yeah. Pat Forty's going to go there and has created all of these brand new conferences. No holds barred, Jason. It's just, yep. This team looks good here. This team looks good here. And he's done it from a largely regional basing. Uh, Jason, what is your reaction to Pat Forty's proposal of a new Rocky Mountain Conference featuring the likes of BYU, Utah, Utah State, Boise State, the Arizona schools, among others? Look, this will come as a surprise to no one. I love the idea. Now, I, I love it for a couple of different reasons. Number one, it puts BYU in the mix for what essentially, I mean, there's, there's no more like, you know, P5. I mean, it's, it's all one and so everybody's included. Everybody has an opportunity. That's one of the reasons I love it. And again, like you said, he, he, there, look, relegation is involved in this. He's taking some programs that are at an FBS level and dropping them down, bringing some up. North Dakota State's come. All, all these are in play. But I like the idea, and I'm fairly happy with the conference as a whole that he has come up with. Look, and I agree with Pat that any change to college football probably skews towards regional, especially right now from a travel standpoint. Certainly, you know, with everything that's going on in the uncertainty in sports, traveling across the country, it's, it's difficult logistically and everything else. And so if you have something that's regional, you have shorter trips and and you're not away as much. So I certainly understand the idea behind it. I know most people who don't like this and we've heard from a lot of them. They don't like it because it's just like the the old whack or it's like going back to the Mount West Conference. Is it though? But, but it's not. It is not the same because the reasons that none of us like the idea of going back to the Mountain West Conference is because we look at it as a step down in terms of finances, in terms of control of of the brand and the program, and you're still not getting access to P5. That's off the table now. You're kind of having the best of both worlds where you're involved in it, and you also have a conference that is not so overwhelming in order to win. And I love the idea that the, the college football playoff is expanded to 12, and everybody that wins their division is immediately in. I love it. You win your division, and you are in the college football playoff. Yeah. I love that idea. I love the teams BYU uh, is facing. I, I love I love about ninety eight percent of what he has put out in terms of the the idea and the conference that BYU is in. Okay, we'll get into the two percent that you don't like yes. in just a minute. Right now, I'm on board with the idea of regional rivalries driving the. Uh, just the complexity or I guess the makeup of all of these conferences. I think it's a solid foundation. It's a solid idea that you're going to put regional rivalries at the core of these conferences. You bring back BYU and Utah, Air Force and Colorado State are in there. Colorado comes in as a power five team. Then I, I like that the Arizona schools are involved. Boise State is a perfect fit. UNLV. Now, Wyoming and New Mexico are up for debate. <laughs> All right? We'll get to them in a second. They can, not, the Cowboys and Lobos, yes, they fit regionally, <laughs> but I don't know if I would put them in the Rocky Mountain Conference or kind of let them slide out somewhere else. Perhaps some relegations involved. <laughs> I don't know. I wondered if you were going there. I, I don't know. But – I like the idea. I think Pat Forty is a brilliant mind, a brilliant writer. And we've all thought about this as uh, working in the sports business. Of Man, if we, could, 
if we could just maneuver these things around, what would what would we do? He did it. He put it on paper, and he's. I think it's a brilliant move to kind of corner this market in the summer when uh, we're all hoping there will be college football. But what if, Jason? I mean, what if TV rights, COVID-19, all this stuff kind of just restructures how everybody views all of college football and then something drastic happens? Everything else is being restructured right now in our lives. Why wouldn't that be potentially you know what i'm saying how much like travel and regions and all of that matter moving forward absolutely i mean there's there's a lot there's a lot to like about this but would we make any change we've seen what pat 40's new college football looks like can we do better though spencer what is your ideal conference look like for BYU? I'm trying to maintain some type of realism amidst this <laughs> never-going-to-happen scenario. And I'm with Pat Forty, again, on the idea of keeping everything regional. I'm on board for naming it the Rocky Mountain Conference. That makes sense. Bringing back old rivalries is the way to go, but I want just a little bit more Power 5 pop. Thus, I'd remove Wyoming and add Nebraska. Now you've got the old Colorado-Nebraska rivalry renewed in a conference. That's a fantastic game. My second major change, Jason, is taking New Mexico out and replacing the Lobos with Nevada to create a Silver State showdown with UNLV and create slightly better travel scenarios for most teams in conference. Going to Reno instead of Albuquerque. Sorry, Walter White. You could even split the 12-team conference into a couple of divisions that way if you want, Jason. BYU, Utah, Utah State, Boise State, UNLV, Nevada in one division. Yeah, but see, that's one of the things Pat brought up is he doesn't want the Whatever. divisions. He I'm doesn't. Saying, okay, okay, but this is yours. I will. I will I, 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 I'm not saying you should, but if there are those that are like, hey, we need two divisions, you could do it easily. Okay. Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado State, Air Force, Colorado, Nebraska. How fun would that conference be? And think about this conference from a basketball standpoint. Now you're talking about at least four to five bids every year in the NCAA tournament. At least four to five. BYU, Utah, Utah State, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado. That's some rich history in hoops. And UNLV, Nevada, Boise State, they have their own histories in the tournament. Nebraska's not a pushover. That would be a fantastic basketball conference as well. So uh, I'm about adding Nebraska and Nevada, removing Wyoming and New Mexico. Okay, you and I are on the same page in terms of the teams that we would actually take out of the scenario. In large part, I I love everything about what Pat Forty did. But like you, I'm taking Wyoming out and I'm taking New Mexico out. Now, you and I agree on what we're taking out. We slightly differ on who's coming back in. I agree that Nevada comes in because with with rivalries, being able to have UNLV and, and UNR, having those together I think is important. Where I do like the idea of Nebraska and Nebraska and Colorado. I just don't think – I don't think – I have a hard time seeing Nebraska in the scenario. So I went a little different. I actually went with San Diego State. And one of the biggest reasons, besides maybe familiarity with kind of the rest of what the conference looks like, I think it's extremely important for BYU to have some sort of footprint in the state of California. You're not going to pull one of USC or UCLA or both. You're not going to get paired up with them. The the UCLA's and USC's are going to stick together. All of the Bay Area schools in the Pac-12 are going to stick together. I think I would rather have San Diego State versus a Fresno State or a San Jose State or you know any any of those. So for me, I'm taking, I'm keeping everything else the same, but I'm taking Wyoming out, I'm taking Nevada out, and I'm putting in 
or excuse me, New Mexico out. I'm putting in Nevada and I'm putting in San Diego State. I still think that that keeps everything regional. It keeps your travel um, short, shorter than at least what it's been. And I think having that footprint in California is important. Frankly, I just don't want BYU to ever go to Laramie in November for a football game or (laughs) in January for a basketball game for that matter. I I don't want to put that on BYU. Now, if I had to make a consolation, say, well, you got to keep one of the two, I'd keep New Mexico. I'd keep Albuquerque in there just because I think it's a better destination. I think they have a better basketball program than Wyoming does. Yeah, yes, there are a lot of people that are focusing specifically on this is, this is a football. You, from from a, a standpoint of other sports, it's a pretty good conference uh, yeah. you know, in, other, in other sports, certainly. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now bring on the newest member of the BYU basketball team, four-star recruit Caleb Lohner, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Caleb, welcome officially to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you, thank you. How would you describe the last month of your life and the transition to BYU? Um, you know, it's been a crazy experience, um, but overall, I am so excited where I've ended up. I'm so pumped to be part of this team. Um, I'm grateful and I'm blessed to be able to play for this staff and play with this team we got coming on this year. It's going to be awesome. Uh, let's talk about the hair, because that's a big deal, right? So you, you yeah. got a haircut coming to BYU. That's a thing that happens, right? Uh, so what was that process <laughs> like? And we're seeing the new do. It looks good, man. Um, I mean, at first we were kind of like, yo, how can we keep it? Like I haven't cut my hair in a long time. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I know how everything rolls at BYU. So I had to go get it cut up. Um, but yeah, it just kind of shows like I'm all in, I'm ready to get to work and I gotta, I mean, I'll do what I gotta do to be part of this team. Caleb, how tall are you with your new haircut? unfortunately i'm the same height (laughs) which is what by the way i've seen six six to six nine what 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 are you it's i'm i'm six eight is that with shoes or without that's without without gotcha okay and it depends who you are some guys list their height with shoes right yeah can kind of depend i like six eight that's that's a good height Okay, we'll make it official as of BYU Sports Nation. The freshly haircut 6'8", Caleb Lohner with us on (laughs) BYU Sports Nation. Caleb, uh, let's talk about your initial recruitment to BYU when uh, uh, things were still happening and a lot of schools were interested in you. What was that initial recruitment to BYU like? Um, It was good. I started being recruited by BYU with Dave Rose and Tim Lacombe, and that was uh, my freshman year of high school, so that was quite a bit ago. Um, grew up loving BYU. My dad played here a long time ago. Um, and, yeah, that's kind of how the process all started off with those guys. And then this year they brought in the new staff, and now I'm at BYU. So you end up signing with Utah, 
And Mark Harlan and Larry Kriskoviak, they let you out of that, which is good because then you can have a scholarship and immediately play and don't have to apply for a waiver. What was that process like as you uh, ultimately changed your mind? Um, you know what? It was it was a little bit crazy, but at the end of the day, I think I came out with a lot of peace. Um, I really am want to reiterate that I'm really grateful um, for Coach Kristoviak and Mark Harlan, and I have a really have a huge respect for both of them, and I'm grateful for that they released my NLI, allowing me to play. Um, but yeah, like I'm I'm ready to move on. I'm so excited to be up at BYU and ready to think, get things rolling. BYU basketball commit Caleb Lohner on BYU Sports Nation. Caleb, when did your mind start to change and the desire to come to BYU uh, start to take hold in your mind? Oh, I think it's been, I think it's been a little bit now. Um, I think originally when I made the decision, there were so many pushing and pulling factors taking me different places that ultimately I didn't choose um, what I wanted to do. And I think now. Um, I was able to sit back, um, forget about everything else, and everybody telling me what to do and where to go and how to do things. And I made this decision for me, and I'm really, really excited. What role did how BYU played under Mark Pope in year one have on you, the success they had? Um, You know what? Their success was really intriguing to me, but I don't think that was a – a huge factor in all of this. I just think at the end of the day, um, when I did make my decision, there were, again, all those factors, different things pushing and pulling me different ways that I wasn't able to make the decision that I wanted. Caleb, what makes Mark Pope and this staff best suited for you to be your coaches now? Um, I think they're just hungry. They want to win, and I know all these guys have bought into what uh, Mark Pope and the staff are selling and they had a successful year last year and I don't see why we can do that again this year there's a lot of new guys you're one of them it's very exciting we're, we're thinking this is one of the deeper teams BYU's had in a while so um what, what do you feel like that kind of competition to not only be a be a team and win but also to try and earn minutes it's, it's going to be a fun challenge for everybody yeah I think um at the end of the day there's so many guys on the team that can hoop um, it's just going to push everyone to be better on the court, off the court. Uh, so I think this dynamic of these guys that BYU and Mark Pope has gotten this year is going to be awesome. Like, I'm I'm so excited to get things going. Caleb, what's your first impression of this current roster that now features seven foot three Matt Harms, a transfer from Purdue, Brandon Averett, a transfer from Oklahoma State and Utah Valley, Alex Barcelo came from Arizona, now you're at BYU, and then you bring back guys to BYU like Connor Harding. Uh, the list goes on. What do you think of the roster and your new teammates? I think this roster is going to be really special, and I think if we can, I think everyone is. I'm going to buy into what Coach Pope and the staff are going to have us do, and I think we could have a really successful year. And if I understand it, are you in school or around BYU now uh, participating in workouts and stuff? Um, not quite. So there's a few things that we have to take care of, but um, we're working on all that, and I'll be in the gym as soon as I can. Gotcha. Uh, how did you become 6'8 if your dad was 6'1? That's fun. I don't know, man. I think about <laughs> that all the time. My family's small. Sometimes I think I'm adopted. If I didn't look like my dad, I would. There would be some concern. So are you? So you're six eight. Are you two thirty? 
Yeah. You're, you're like you're like college ready, um, it, you know. And your dad was listed at six one one seventy five. I'm I'm six foot one seventy five. I can relate to that, right? Um, how how tall is your mom? Do you have tall uncles or something? Like, is it in the, uh, um, in the family? I have like one or two tall. I have an uncle that's like six five, but I mean he's he's a little bit like skinny. Um, my mom's five nine, maybe five eight. She's not crazy tall. Again, I don't know where this came from, but <laughs> I'm blessed and I'm glad that I'm tall. Um, but yeah, just I mean, it all worked out, I guess, in a weird way. When did you realize you had like a college-made body? Because right now you could jump in physically and play the four. It would seem right now. Um, it was probably a year or two ago. Um, I kind of realized that I got to a good place in my body and athleticism and quickness and speed and all that. And, and I just kept, kind of kept me motivated and told me, like, look, Caleb, you could do something fun if you really wanted to. So, Was that you talking to yourself saying, Caleb, you can do this? Yeah. I love like it. You've been, given, you've been given something that necessarily hasn't been – like living through your family, um, so let's let's take advantage of it and go do something special. Love it. BYU basketball commit Caleb Loner on BYU Sports Nation. Uh, which professional player do you pattern your game after? Um, you know what? There's a lot of guys in the NBA that I really like today, and then there's guys in the NBA that I liked a long time ago. Um, there's a few guys that I like in the NBA today. Um, like classic, I know Gordon Hayward was really big in Utah for a while. I actually really love the way he played. Um, I love the way Clay Thompson plays. Um, and then some of those hustle guys like Draymond Green, um, those dudes are always good to watch the way they just play, rebound the ball, shoot the ball. Um, and then of course my hero is Larry Bird. I know there's a lot of BYU fans, but that's the same. So hopefully we can bring some of that swag to the court. I'm guessing that's why you wear number 33 then. Yeah, so I wanted number 11, but um, I think BYU has it retired. So I'm going to have to wear 33, which is all cool to me. Dude, I love the Larry Bird thing because not a lot of kids your age uh, you know, necessarily appreciate Larry Bird for what he was. So are you going to be walking in the locker room saying stuff like who's taking second in this next drill, that kind of stuff? Yeah, I mean, that's just all confidence. You can't be great if you don't have confidence, right? You know what's funny about that that story in the three-point uh, contest? Larry walks in and says that. Danny Ainge is in that same contest. Like, he's a teammate, and Larry's calling a shot even to his own own guy, right? So I, I love awesome. that. Uh, so Richie Saunders is a, a guy that uh, signed with BYU. He's going to go on a mission to come back. So you'll be able to play, uh, you know, a year or two with him later. Tell us about Richie and that, that kind of dynamic with the two of you from Wasatch. Yo, Rich, Richie's the best, man. Richie's my guy. Um, it was so fun playing with him this year at Wasatch. And, I mean, we had a pretty cool year. Played some cool teams and some cool places. But, yeah, I love Richie. Works hard. He's a phenomenal shooter. Um, man, he's a, he's a good kid. Like, I'm actually kind of sad that – won't be playing with him for a few years, but I'm really, really happy for him that he's going to have a great time on his mission. All right, Caleb, uh, with that Larry Bird swagger, what type of impact do you hope to make in your initial year in your freshman campaign at BYU? 
you know what? I'm just hoping to do whatever I can to help the team and uh, help this program be the most successful they can. I'm going to listen to Coach Pope and all those guys and kind of the guidance that they have for me, and then we'll take things from there. I've seen, uh, you know, you shoot threes with these. I've seen you dunk on dudes. Uh, what, what's the vert right now, by the way? Uh, it's around 40. Woo! That, yeah, it's almost unfair, dude. You're 6'8", 230, you can shoot threes, and you have 40-inch vertical? I think BYU can work with this. I think we can figure out a place for you here, Caleb. <laughs> All right, man. I'm excited. Let's go. Caleb, it's great to talk with you, man. Uh, just make sure next time you're in the basketball practice facility, you find Jeff Judkins and ask him about his favorite Larry Bird stories. He played with them. You got a guy that played with Larry Bird in the facility. Oh, that's cool. Yes, yeah. I will. I'll make that a priority. All righty. Fine, Juddy. And uh, once again, welcome to BYU, man. Great to talk with you. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. It's great to talk to you. Caleb Lauder, ladies and gentlemen, on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline, Deseret First, you know why we show how. Dude, when he went to Utah, originally signed, I was so bummed because I thought, oh, this guy, he could make an impact. 6'8", 2'30", can shoot the three. And has a 40-inch vert. Wants to be like Larry Bird. I, this kid's awesome. Like I said in the opening segment, I, I think he could start at some point. Like I, I, as a I, freshman. As a freshman. Wow. I, I think he has that kind of capability. If he doesn't, that means good things. Because that means that BYU is really deep. And when it's your freshman year, sometimes you have to wait your turn. Right? <laughs> and who knows? Who knows what happens in a season? But I thought BYU was pretty deep before Caleb Lohner signed. I know! <laughs> So he's he's the he's the final puzzle piece, it would seem, right? Um, and there are other pieces to be had potentially. Um, but man, so exciting! I'm very excited about Caleb Loner. I just think it's going to be awesome. And yeah, his his dad is like my physique, six one one seventy five. Mom Boom. five eight six eight two thirty six one. What did, what did they feed him in Dallas? We should have asked him where. A lot of barbecue. Got, who who provided the hair gene pool? That's oh yeah, that's it. Oh man, next next, next time. time, next time, next time. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. If Mark Pope were asked about Connor Harding, I'm guessing he would say the following thing. He's unbelievable. This Connor Harding. This Connor Harding is unbelievable, and he is the focus of today's Deep Blue. Do you have the power to rework the past? No. Then I said, learn how to let go. Nobody can rework the past. You can't hang on to that. That's a dangerous thing. You move on. Okay, Grandma. Growing up in Idaho, I was surrounded by a bunch of family. And one that I had a really close relationship to was my grandma. In high school, we had the opportunity to go eat off campus. Freshman year, you know, you want to go out with all your friends. But I had the opportunity to go over to my grandma's house and have a, have a meal with her every day for lunch. And that was from freshman year to senior year, and we'd do it every single week. Connor took the divorce of his parents very, very seriously. He loved his mother and he loved his dad. And I thought, I have got to zero in on this boy. So I made a point to go to all of his junior high games and sit there and talk to him, maybe take him a little treat. 
And then when he got in high school and was old enough to drive, I invited him to come every day for lunch. And I thought, this is the time that we can bond. Food is an expression of love. We would seriously just sit down, would eat, and then we'd just talk. We'd just talk about, you know, mostly the gospel, about how I'm doing in life. And she would just sit me down, give me advice, you know, keep me down to earth and to help me, you know, become who I am. Seventh, eighth grade, you know, we said, hey, you need to start practicing more. If you're going to take it serious and be a good basketball player, you have to put in as much gym time as you possibly can. So that's when he decided, you know, should I sleep in every morning or get up and find a gym and get working out? And so he would get up every morning and he would ride the four-wheeler to the church gym. A couple December, January mornings, you know, he looked like the kid off Christmas story. He was uh, all bundled up, four or five coats on, you know, riding down to the gym to get a couple shots up. That's when you started to realize how dedicated he was to basketball and his love and passion for the game. My first one-on-one opponent was my sister, and she was a monster. I'd be driving to the hoop, and she would be bumping me out into the brick wall. I'd be all scraped up, and... You know, I would be playing her, and I'd be so close to winning, and I'd lose every single time. And every single time, it was just tears rolling down my eyes, going into my mom, throwing a fit, didn't even want to talk to anyone. I had a competitive nature when I was really young. He would come play with me and our other brother, Jordan, or any of our friends. He was always the youngest brother, so, you know, we'd play winner stays on. If You know, if you lose, you're out. That's when we decided he had to step up his game if he wanted to keep playing with us. They'd beat up on me. They didn't want to lose the little brother. They wanted to show, you know, who's boss in, in the house. I mean, there's a pecking order. I'd say in my house, I'd play him, and they'd, they'd kick my butt. And, you know, eventually, like, my dad was like, hey, got to work on this, got to work on that. And I'd go work on it, and then I'd come back, and, you know, different things would work, like up and unders and footwork and different things like that. And, you know, I started to compete with them. And then eventually, you know, I got a little older, got a little stronger, and I started to beat him. You know, playing one-on-one, you know, playing up, I think, you know, that's helped me get to the college level where there's a lot of scheming and game plans, and it comes pretty quick to me to understand the principles. Harding, shimmy shake, baseline, what a move! You know, he's been willing to do whatever, right, Coach Pope has asked him to do throughout the year, right, whatever role, whichever guy, you know, we need him to guard. Offensively, you know, how can he best help the team? And, you know, he came in to start this year on fire from the three-point line. The player I see now is, you know, the player we're expecting. He could drive more, he could shoot more, he could do a lot. If you've ever watched him play... He is a total team player. And I said, oh, that's my Connor. We expect him to keep growing and keep being a better basketball player. And this Connor Harding, tough as nails, okay? I mean, he will, he will run through a brick wall, do anything to try and help his team. But I'm here this summer. I happen to look over the railing, and him and Paisley are out there playing one-on-one, and she is kicking his behind. It was a beatdown. Connor has a sweetheart on the women's basketball team. You know, both of them are competing at a very high level. She's helped me through a lot of what's happened on this court. She's going through it. She's been through a lot of different experiences. 
and she's just been there by my side because you have a lot of ups and downs in basketball where you're like, what am I doing? Why am I here? And she's just there to, to tell me like, hey, I've been through this and I just want to tell you like a little secret that I did. Don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to voice, you know, your opinion or to be yourself. She'll bring back like things that I knew about myself, but at that moment, like, it was not in my head. And so she just helps me keep my identity. And I think that's the most important thing that anyone can do. I think it goes without saying, both Jeremy and I look forward to what Connor Harding is going to do with an expanded role and more shots. Uh, in the second year of Mark Pope. Yeah, he actually scored fewer points as a sophomore than a freshman uh, by just a couple, but he had a different role. He was a great three-point shooter, and congratulations to he and Paisley Johnson. They were married on May 1st, um, so congratulations to them. I know they're having their Utah reception here uh, coming up soon. So Power congrats. couple. Yeah, seriously. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We cannot wait for this next part. You know, cue, well, not. cue the independence music, please. Let's go. This is, this is what we have the budget for is this. The top 10 BYU football players in nine years of independence counting down. Let's go. Beginning at number 10. Jeremy Taki Taki. He's in year two with the Cleveland Browns now. We took mostly BYU careers uh, in this. 237 tackles, 32 and a half TFLs, 14 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, 13 pass breakups. His senior year, he started to play middle linebacker, and he was a force. Tremendous game against Wisconsin in 2018 in that win. At number nine. Kai Nakua, 14 career interceptions for Kai, six picks in each of his last two years. He had three interceptions in the 2015 win over Boise State, and after that game was a Heisman Trophy candidate, according to one random site. But he'd worked, he had such a good game, he was on the Heisman Trophy watch list. Yeah, Kai he, Nakua. he was fun. He Derwin Gray was the end zone. fourth in picks all time, Derwin Gray's fifth, Tom Homo sixth. How about that? Number. Eight. Mitch Matthews, not a lead. He'd be top three if he Stop was even it. close to that. Uh, 152 catches, 2,083 yards, 24 touchdowns, and one memorable Hail Mary catch. Mitch Matthews was awesome. BYU hasn't had a receiver as good as Mitch Matthews since he left. And I hope that BYU does in the future. He was awesome. Ugh. Number seven, Bronson Kafusi. Bronson Kafusi had 11 sacks. His senior season, and that's what got him drafted in the third round. Bronson, couple of interceptions. He was a tackle for loss machine. Fourth in BYU history, unofficially. I mean, I, I think he's kind of an underappreciated player at BYU. Yeah. Felt yeah. like he was here forever, but he was productive every season he played. Well, he in. was. He played in 13 seasons. Um, <laughs> he blocked a bunch of kicks, by the way. Don't forget that. Six pass breakups one season. I mean, he's, yeah. his frame was awesome. Number six, Matt Bushman. He's led BYU in receiving yards the last three seasons. 125 grabs, 1,719 yards, nine touchdowns. And that's without a senior season. He is the only active player on this list, by the way. Spoiler alert. 
How about a guy that uh, knows a thing or two about leading BYU in receiving yards, not only in seasons, but in a career at number five, Cody Hoffman. Oh, he's awesome. Whenever I think of Cody Hoffman, I just think of a couple of things. One, the incredible catch he made against Georgia Tech well, in 2013. Right catch it on the back end of the ball in the end zone. And his five-touchdown performance against New Mexico State. Some epic touchdown grabs and plays with Riley Nelson, several different quarterbacks. He's the all-time leading receiver in yards, touchdown catches. Cody Hoffman at number five. He's one of the few Power 5 talents wide receiver BYU's had recently. I mean, like, could be on any Power 5. You know what I mean? Number four, Fred Warner. Super Bowl runner-up last year. He's awesome. 264 tackles the BYU, 32 TFLs, 6.5 sacks, 3 forced fumbles, 5 fumble recoveries, 7 picks, 2 touchdowns, 13 pass breakups. He, just, he, was, uh, he was like the next version of Kyle Van Noy. Didn't quite get to that level at BYU. But in the NFL, Fred is doing great things, and we're like super proud that he's become the starting linebacker on a uh, Super Bowl runner-up now, man. Federico at number 4. And how good were the defenses... <laughs> Independence era. The offenses weren't good enough, so the it was eight or nine wins. The defenses are so good. All right, at number three, and here's where we're going to have some people chime in, I'm sure, with opinions. Taysom Hill. Ooh. Now, if, when we were playing the if game earlier in the show. Yeah, it's my favorite game. Taysom Hill stays healthy <laughs> in 2014 or 15, then he's probably higher on this list, but the injuries played such a huge role in limiting what he could have done for BYU. We only saw him one full season. And it was his sophomore year, and he ran for 1,300 yards through for 2,900 yards. Amazing! I mean, he almost had a 3,000, uh, 1,000. He almost did. He's so electric. He can score on any play. BYU's teams were so tough. He never got blown out to me, which is a you know three-score loss. Um, he was awesome, dude. The most explosive player on this list, for sure. Oh, yeah. Number two, Jamal Williams. The uh, all-time leading rusher, 3,901 yards, 35 touchdowns. Those five touchdowns in this game against Toledo were incredible. 286 yards that night. Jamal was so tough, and he could have left BYU. He could have, but he came back, and he finished what he started in 2016, and BYU had a a quality nine-win season. He ran for 200-plus in his final collegiate game as BYU became the forever poinsettia champion. Yes, and that's something. That's actually the peak of independence, Spencer, is the... Forever Poinsettia. The no, Forever Poinsettia Championship. Kainakua had an interception in that game to seal the win, by the way. Yes, he did against Josh Allen, starter for the Bills, who are probably going to win that division this year. Let's go. And the number one BYU player of Woo! independence is Kyle Van Noy. Of course. 222 tackles, 62 tackles for loss, which is the most in Brigham Young University football history. Two touchdowns. Name them both. Go. Uh, San Jose State and San Diego State. Uh, Utah State is the other one. Oh, uh, not, that's not right. San Jose. Yeah. Wait, wait. Didn't he have three touchdowns then? BYU list two. Did he have three then? I thought he had a pick six Let's, that got returned for a touchdown against San Jose State. Was then it he had scoop one and at, score maybe? Then he won at Utah. Let's State. say he had three. Okay. Because he's number three. Okay. Uh, seven picks, eleven forced fumbles, five fumble recoveries, thirty-two qu- quarterback hurries, seventeen pass breakups, and twenty-five sacks. I mean, you could argue that Kyle Van Noy is, uh, you know, he's in the conversation for greatest defensive player in BYU history. I mean, he he's amazing. Without question. I don't know if he is, but I think he's in the conversation. Kyle Van Noy, number one on our list He's of the top football players in the independence yeah, era. Yeah, that, that's a fun convo. Best defense player ever, Kyle's in the convo. Definitely. Hey, and I'm trying to think about all the touchdowns he scored because he had the... I can't remember the same as they say. What, 2012, you're saying? Yeah, I think it was his... On the road? Yeah, was that his sophomore junior season? Anyway, uh, he had the strip sack fumble recovery against San Diego State. It was his junior. 
Then he had the Come pick on. six against San Diego State. Right? And you touched it. And the pick six against Utah State. So there are at least three touchdowns. Did he score the touchdown against Ole Miss? In he recovers a fumble. In the end zone. Yeah. So that, that's four. We just named four. You named four. Let's go, man. Okay. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I can't believe we are almost a decade into the BYU football independence era. Yet here I can't. We it's are. been a long time. Nine years, to be <laughs> exact. And it was nine years as of June 30th that BYU went officially independent. Jerem, nine years later, what is the greatest achievement for BYU football in its independence era? I wish it was a season in which BYU finished in the top 25 and had a notable record. BYU has yet to get to double digits outside of 2011 when they were unranked in the AP poll and ranked in the uh, USA Today Coaches Bowl because USC was ineligible. I wish it was that dramatic, amazing last-second win against Utah, but it's not. So I think it's big wins uh, on ESPN. Those have been highlights, right? I wish we were talking about the marriage and not a couple of dates, uh, but here we are. The couple of that stick out, 2013 and 14 against Texas, fantastic, right? 2014 and 15, first couple games were amazing. 14, BYU's 4-0 and ranked 19th, and things are going well. Taste Mill breaks the leg. BYU loses to Utah State and loses that game in the next three as well. Uh, two Hail Marys, that was fun, right? 14 and 15, uh, 2019, winning three top 35 FPI games. My sky cam was here. It was so nice. Uh, th- those, are some great, those are some great wins. There's been some notable wins. I just wish it was a season that mattered. I wish it was uh, a win over the rival Utah, right? So I'm, I'm disappointed that it's not either of those things, which I can't believe in independence and the history of the show. BYU hasn't beaten Utah. I'm just not over that. But uh, some of those games have been awesome, and they've been on a national stage. Those have been great. I'm going to begin my answer with a soundbite from BYU Athletic Director Tom Homo on the day that BYU made it official that they were going independent. Listen to this. Much has been discussed about why we've been studying a change in our conference affiliation. It comes down to two pillars, access and exposure. Being independent increases access to our national following of fans. Every home football game and men's basketball game will now be carried nationally. And we will be free to broadcast our Olympic sports games as we desire, as often as we please. Two, being independent increases the national exposure of our athletic programs. This is a wonderful opportunity to showcase who I feel are the greatest student-athletes in the world. The greatest achievement by BYU football and independence is doing exactly what the program set out to do, which Tom Homo just outlined, access and exposure. BYU wanted that. They got it. After nine years of independence, do fans have greater access to BYU watching BYU live sports? Yes. Has the exposure been better than what BYU experienced in the Mountain West Conference? Yes. BYU has been on ESPN. And to your point, Jerem, they have won some big games with the national spotlight shining very brightly, whether it be on ABC or ESPN or ESPN2. I have a massive issue with this. Okay. 
I'm just saying they set out. BYU set out for access and exposure. They wanted those things. They have them. Yeah. To me, they got what they wanted, and that is the greatest achievement of independence. I have a massive issue with this because uh, there was an ass- this is an assumption, but it needs to be said out loud. The greatest achievement needs to be on the field. It needs to be in winning. And if it's not, I think the priorities are messed up. To me, BYU is independent because it wants to be on ESPN. That's the purpose. Access right? and exposure. Because BYU, of course, was burned. You can, the, the, the exposure element is a two-edged sword as well that people don't talk about. Let's talk about it. Uh, one is, yeah, these amazing wins. But I also remember being embarrassed against Michigan in 2015 and LSU in 2017 and so on. Those are uh, the exposed parts of that, right? And that's the risk you take uh, of being on the national stages. Are you relevant? Are you doing things that matter? And BYU football certainly matters. They d- any- BYU football matters. They do. We want them to be better. Being on ESPN, amazing. It's awesome. You know, winning uh, four, seven, and seven last three, not awesome. Not beating Utah, not awesome. You know, so, but that can change quickly. Like one season of nine wins this year, to me, changes the feeling and the rhetoric. We're in the show-me stage of BYU football. The table is set. BYU's got an amazing setup here. Obviously, BYU TV, we benefited in an amazing way. So, I'm yeah, I'm super happy BYU's on ESPN and BYU TV and whatnot. That's amazing. Uh, and the schedules are better and whatnot. Da, da, da. I just want BYU to win more because then everything else uh, is accentuated in an amazing way as well. So let's, uh, let's win a little more. And then uh, it all feels good. Because right now I look back at Independence and I go, ah, we left like this you know, really, really nice 06 to 09 era of winning and being ranked in the top 25. And I think there was an assumption that that would kind of continue, but it hasn't because the schedules have been a little harder and Utah's program has started to elevate in a well, way that I don't know, Taysom Hill had three season-ending injuries. Yeah, yeah. but it's, it's bigger than just Taysom Hill, right? There's been nine years. That was uh, four years, you know? Um, but to our point, had BYU had one good season, yeah. people would feel validated about independence. Just one. Right, out of, out of nine, and they haven't. And they were pacing for that. Yeah. So, it, so how much do, of a role do unfortunate bad luck injuries play in this? Well, in nine years, that you are what you are. Nine years. You could have had one season with double-digit wins, right? Right. Well, Taysom Hill, if like they had the one in twenty, could have not had one of three season-ending injuries. Does this change at all? Like, it, it's fickle. It's really fickle. Yeah, there there have been other quarterbacks in other seasons. <laughs> I so under- Taysom Hill that I, didn't produce. I understand, a but we come back to twenty fourteen and say if, if. Then BYU I, I'm looking has at its validated nine season. years, not one year. Okay, but one you said would validate nine years of independence. One. It would help the feeling. Yes. I, I don't think it completely validates everything. No, but if we had one, we, we would, I think we can agree, we would feel We're working in the big yeah. IF. If. <laughs> Losers say if. I know. Yep. And what if BYU opens the season with a win against Utah? Hit it. Countdown to the Utes. 63 days. We're essentially two months away from the scheduled start of the 2020 BYU football season. We still don't know if this is happening and how it's going to work. Well, how will the Pac-12... I, I, I don't feel like it's going to function fully normally. Like, there's no way, right? Right now? It feels weird, you know. Who knows? No and, one has and, any answers. And the no Pac-12, one has any answers. The Pac-12 clearly is at the forefront of, hey, we're, we're going to 
we're going to pull things back. This isn't the South, the Southeastern Conference and the ACC where people are, we're going to have in-person classes and we're going to do all this. The governor of the S- uh, South Carolina said we're not going to have college football or high school football this year. There you go. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.